How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Sam. Today, we're discussing Harrison Bader, the defensive maestro. Hopefully, he can become a star player for this Yankee team. Now, I know the metrics and numbers may not suggest that, but Bader can do a lot of great things in specific categories. We know defensive runs saved, outs above average, his range in center field, all these things that make him and, you know, the makeup of a really good defensive player. Um, we have high hopes for him. We saw what he did during nine games in the playoffs this past season. Five home runs. He was absolutely electric. He was probably our best offensive piece. That wasn't expected given the fact he didn't really have much time coming off that plantar fasciitis injury um, down the stretch and didn't get enough of a sample size to really like get into form. But nonetheless, woke up in the postseason, was absolutely lethal, and we're hoping he can kind of carry that over into the 2023 season. He's on a one-year kind of deal right now before he hits free agency, one year of control, and then again, we'll see what his future holds. But he's kind of had a couple injuries in the past. I don't think this could be the biggest deal this year. He seems to be 100%. The plantar fasciitis injury is behind him, and we're hoping he can really step up and become an integral part to this team. Um, but Sam, before we dive into Harrison Bader, our projections for him, how we think he can make a serious impact in 2023, how you do today, my friend? I'm good, man. It's great to be with you today. It's the first time I've recorded in a little bit. so And I just want to shout out uh, Mr. Brady. Um, congratulations on retirement. I know you are super excited about it, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. We're talking about Harrison Bader today, man, and I absolutely love Harrison Bader. He came on and really made an instant impact for this team. Like you said, he was really the only bat that this team had in the postseason at all. I mean, it was a dead offense. He ended up being the leadoff guy. I know they tried out Glaber a couple times. I know Judge was there, you know, during the back half. And then because Bader was really the only offensive spark that this team had, they kind of had to put him up there. But this isn't a bat that I truly expected to be one of the best, right? Like, coming into it, he didn't have a great run. He had a below 700 OPS during his time with the Yankees. I know it was only, I think it was, I think he had 16 games in the regular season before we ended up going to the playoffs. And it wasn't an incredible bat, but I didn't expect him to be the super elite bat. You know, I mean, he. I think his career high WRC Plus is a 114. And that's what I expect from a guy like that. He's a defensive wizard. He's a defensive specialist. A gold glove, and you mentioned the DRS and it's above average. That's what we needed out of a player like that. And with the trade for Jordan Montgomery, it was super confusing at first because me, of all people, I didn't understand it at all because it was really Jordan Montgomery was your fifth guy. They basically went out and said, we don't need this guy because we have a strong four after they traded for Frankie Montas. So, and it was like, okay, cool. And it was really, I think I think they made the trade literally five minutes after the window closed. Like it was like at 5.55, the window closed at 6. And we were all just kind of shaking our heads like, what was that move? What was that play? And now looking back at it in hindsight, it looks like an incredible trade for the team because Jordan Montgomery ended up and pitching well for the St. Louis Cardinals down the stretch. And Harrison Bader came in and was elected for us in the postseason. So it was really a win-win on both sides for both teams. And Bader is really going to make a big impact. And it's going to be nice for him to be able to play out in center field and really kind of limit judges, you know, injury expenses because at that point it's a more athletic position out there in center field and with him being one of the elite guys defensively out there in center field it's really going to help this team defensively and this was already one of the best defensive units in baseball as is so it's nice that they're going to be able to put judge back out there back in right field and we can see what he you know can do in center field this year with the bat and on the base pass and defensively and I'm super excited for Bader I think he's going to make a big Im impact on this team. He absolutely is going to make a big impact on this team. With the way that baseball is going and fueling more of an offensive style, bigger bases, you know, they're, they're really promoting more base running, aggressive base running. Bader is a direct beneficiary of that. So 28 years old, coming off a season where he had a career-high 17 stolen bases. He only played in 86 games. If you actually, you know, extrapolate on that and look at 
what he can do over a full game sample, a full season sample size. Let's say, let's say he plays 130 games. You know, you look at him stealing maybe 25, almost like 30 bases. You know what I mean? Like that's a lot. 25, 30 bases stolen for a professional leaguer. That is a serious amount of bases. Um, and he can turn a single into a double. You know, he can do a lot of stuff for you in terms of, you know, if he's on first base and judge hits, I don't know, a ball through the gap or whatever it might be. He's batting eighth or ninth. Judge comes up batting second. Even DJ LeMay, he hits a, he hits a double. He's scoring from first base. If he's on second, and this is the thing about Bader, right? He gets a single, or he walks, gets on first base. He steals second base. All you need is, is a single to drive him in. You know, like you can manufacture runs that way through his aggressive style of play. Um, even if he may, even if it's going to be close, even if he, you know, you have a good arm in, in, in the outfield or whatever it might be, he's got just as good speed. You're talking like upper 90s percentile speed. Um, you really like what he can do there. And, you know, a lot of people I, I, I've kind of been looking at. Um, what DJ LeMahieu offers, and, you know, he's our primary leadoff hitter. A lot of people are saying that if, you know, he goes down or he's unable to play for whatever reason, they want Bader as the leadoff hitter for the Yankees. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that take because he gets on a, on base at a career average 31.7%, and that's not enough for a guy that leads off, in my opinion. You need a guy getting on base 34-plus percent every single year. He's really never had that. He, the closest he's gotten is 33.6% um, back in 2020 over you know the abbreviated season due to COVID. So I don't really see him as a, as a leadoff guy, in my opinion. I see him as like an eight-hitter. Um, because he's got some untapped power. We saw that during the playoffs. He's got really good speed. You know, you got some contact guys going up before him. You know, whether it be uh, I don't know, maybe it's maybe he bats ends up batting seventh or sixth because you do have Peraza, you do have Jose Trevino, you do have like guys like Oswaldo Cabrera who may not be like the most lethal bats in the lineup, and you know Bader may be considered better than, but maybe you want him batting eighth because you know he's kind of that good transition into like the nine hole, which usually is going to be your, your Jose Trevinos of the role of the world that just aren't great offensively. Uh, but Sam, when you're looking at Harrison Bader, what do you think he best situates in the lineup here? I think definitely in the bottom half. I don't really see him as a lead off kind of guy, but maybe between six and eight makes sense for me. No, I think the bottom half makes perfect sense because I think in that bottom half, you're looking at, you know, it's going to be him, Trevino, and kind of we're hoping for the younger guys. Um, we're hoping it's going to be Peraza and Cabrera at some point, but, you know, we're not really sure what they're going to end up running out with. They might roll with Donaldson and IKF. We have no idea. We're still waiting on a month and a half of news for that to come out. So I think that in the bottom half works. Because at some point, you know, you're looking to see that untapped potential, like you spoke about with the bat. You know, he was incredible in the playoffs, and I don't think he works as a leadoff guy. You know, the speed is there for him to be the leadoff guy, but like you mentioned with the OBP, I just don't think it's there, and we need a guy that can, you know, consistently get on base at that clip. You know, with DJ LeMahieu, like you mentioned, that's why it's so key for him to be healthy for this team, because, you know, when he's healthy and at the top of the order and firing on all cylinders, that's when this team's at its best. But with Bader, I think that, you know, he's a perfect bottom-of-the-half guy, just because if you need, you know, an electric spark down there, you know, it's that would be your guy at the bottom of the order. And, you know, like you mentioned with Judge um, and that speed, you know, if Judge can, you know, rip a double in the gap or something like that, he can score from first base. And if you have, have him adding, batting out of the eighth nine hole, say you got Judge leading off on a certain day, you know, then that's that's a run. That is literally a free run for us. And we kind of saw that, you know, saw a little bit of, bit of that in the back half. I remember against Pittsburgh, he scored from first and just like absolutely bolted. And it was like the most electric thing. That was really our first like, oh, hey, welcome to Harrison Bader world kind of thing, which is really cool. Um, the only other like concerning thing that I really have about Bader is his health. 
And, you know, obviously he had the plantar fasciitis that he ended up dealing with last year and coming over and didn't play originally. But when you look at his game log, I think he set a career high. His career high in games played is 128 games. In 2021, which is probably his best season where he posted a 114 WRC plus and won a gold glove, he only played 103 games. So that is one concerning factor that I have with Bader. And I think that, you know, I there were comments today that I heard on Talking Yanks from Jake Storielli, who's on the show this morning, which is really cool. You guys got to go check that out. That judge is still open open to going back and playing center field. He wants to go back and play center field this year, which is going to be really cool. So I just think that Bader's health is, you know, it's still a concerning factor. And while I want all of our guys to be healthy, I just hope that he can stay healthy for a full 162 because I think that what he can bring to this team offensively, defensively, and with the speed, like you mentioned with this, the career high 17 stolen bases last year in the 86 games, which I think will only elevate with the bigger bases next year. It's going to be really interesting to see. So I think that, yeah, I think the bottom half works and I think that he can work as sort of a, a, a spark plug out of the bottom of the order for the Yankees this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he can be that catalyst because the bottom of the order last year, there were periods of, you know, play that, you know, stretches of games that they didn't do anything. We were really, you know, relying heavily on Judge to manufacture runs for us. And it was solo shots, whatever it might be, when DJ is out down the stretch, you know, Rizzo really stepped up. Torres went through a really bad cold streak um, in August, you know, picked it up. Picked it up a little bit in September. Uh, Cabrera, you know, wasn't really that great offensively, better defensively, obviously, um, early in his career. So, you know, across the board, this Yankee team was really relying on a few individuals. Stanton really struggled as well down the stretch in the second half of the year after the All-Star break. So when you're looking at this team right now, we didn't really have a Harrison Bader the entire regular season, even after we got him until the playoffs. So it was nice. It's nice to see that he's 100%. And having him at the bottom half of the order really gives you that, like, it just breaks it up a little bit. You know what I mean? It breaks mm. it up from having guys that aren't proven, like Peraza, like Cabrera. Um, you know, as we know, Trevino's not an offensive weapon for the most part. So it's nice to have a guy that kind of like splits up the 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 less efficient players with a guy who's going to do well he, when he gets on base he can steal them he can hit for power on occasion um he can you know make decent contact he can you know outrun a throw to first base on a, on a dribble or whatever it might be you know he finds ways to get the thing to get it done and that athleticism you know you cannot be undersold because it does show up all the time and it does make impact plays um more frequent so you know when it comes to harrison bader what do we expect from him this is a guy who Obviously, he's coming off an injury-prone, an injury-riddled season. Um, played 103 games in 2021. So, as you mentioned, the health factor is a big one for us. In fact, like a lot of these players on the roster, the health factor stands out to me. You know, even Stanton. Obviously, you look at Hicks. Um, you know, Judge has proven his health, so I'm not so worried about him. Um, but you look at Frankie Montas on the pitching side of things. There's a lot of guys on this roster that were a little bit like, okay, like. Can we rely on them? Maybe not. You know, Bader's kind of on the fence on that end, too. Um, defensively, feel really good, obviously. Offensively, his steamer projections have him hitting 248 with a 312 OBP, 15 homers, 17 stolen bases again over 130 games. So I think he steals more than 17 over 130 games. Personally, I'm looking at like maybe 25. Ends with a 104 WRC plus and 2.9 war. So obviously, his offensive metrics aren't like mind blowing, but his defensive metrics really stand out uh, via his steamer uh, projections. So, you know, I think he probably gets on base at a 32% clip. I think that's probably reasonable. I'd be like happy with that because that's above his career average. If he's hitting 250, also not bad. I think he could hit 20 homers. Um, you know, we hit 16 with, with uh, St. Louis in, in 103 games back in 2021. So, you know, who's to say he doesn't hit 20 in 130 games with the Yankees, especially because, you know, we know Dylan Lawson, the hitting coach over there. And, and basically, he his entire mantra is hit strikes hard, right? Totally different 
you know, mentality than where he's coming from in St. Louis. They're going to tell Bader, we want you to hit the shit out of the baseball. You know, this is not going to be a situation where we're asking you to hit for contact. We're asking you to do specific things. Hit the baseball as hard as you freaking can. Hit strikes hard. That ultimately, um, you know, relays and presents more opportunities for fly balls. And as we know, and, you know, our friend Ryan would tell us, fly balls usually are a higher probability um, to hit home runs as well. So, I definitely think that, you know, his pull rate suggests that. Ryan's a big pull rate guy. Of course, you know, you got a righty in Yankee Stadium. It's not the most ideal thing. But he has a 40% pull rate, which isn't bad. 25.4% hard hit rate last year, 30.6% in 2021. Um, he had a 43.5% fly ball rate last season, uh, which is the second, third best in his career. So, you know, we'll see how these things translate. But I, I would be willing to bet that hard hit rate goes up a little bit, the fly ball rate goes up a little bit, and the pull rate stays around 40 to 45%. Um, and I think that's exactly where we want him to be because I think he can definitely add a bit more value as a, as a slugger in this scenario. But, you know, what are your projections for him in terms of the slugging department? I think just based on the way the Yankees, you know, operate and the way that they ask their hitters to, you know, approach uh, pitches, I think that he could hit 20 homers this upcoming year. Yeah, 30-30. No, I'm totally kidding. That was a hot take video. That was a hot take video. But, no, yeah, I, I think it is super realistic that he can hit 20 home runs if he stays healthy. If this if this guy stays healthy, he 100% has potential, all, like all the potential in the world. On the max end, I'm thinking 20 homers, 30 bags. On the max end, I'm thinking 20 homers, 30 bags. So, I think that... You know, I think, like you mentioned, in the power department, it's going to be completely different because with this Yankees team, all they want to do is hit home runs. Now, obviously, that is the best way to create runs in this league is by strictly hitting it over everybody else's head straight into the seats, and that's the mantra that we've had over the past couple of seasons. So I don't – and again, like – I don't expect this guy to be an elite offensive player. I expect him to be an incredible defender in center field that will help us out and save a shit ton of runs out there in the outfield for us, provide a little bit with the bat. I think he's going to be above league average offensively. I think he posts like a 110 WRC plus. And the 320 OBP I think is pretty much spot on. But on the high end, I'm looking at like 20 home runs, and I think that would be sick. And, you know, with the mentality shift, it should be completely different. Um, and it's interesting, man, because with his career OBP, or not OBP, OPS, his career OPS outside of Bush Stadium, where he was before, is like 800-something. I want to say it's like 806, and his career OPS in Bush Stadium is like 640. So obviously he spent the majority of his of his time at the beginning of his career playing in Bush Stadium, so obviously that tanks his career OPS and the rest of his numbers. But, you know, there's potential there where he could really become a legitimate hitter. While I will not project him for that because of what we've seen in the past and the health and, you know, all the factors pretty much coming into it. There's potential for him to be an incredible hitter in this Yankees lineup. And if we're projecting him as a 7-8-9 guy in this lineup, that's we will take that 1,000%. You know, when you look at a guy like Jose Trevino, who's the best defensive catcher in the game, we don't expect him to be this elite offensive presence. We expect him to post a 95 WRC plus every year and go out and win a platinum glove every year. And that's what he did last year, right? It's kind of the same situation with Harrison Bader. Anything other than league average offensive production, we will take it because we know why you're here. You're here to play elite defense. You're here to swipe bags. You're here to be fast. But anything else that we could take offensively, we will 100% take it from that bottom of the order. And I think that, yeah, on the high end, I think I'm going to look at 20 home runs. 20 home runs. I think that would be sick. And that would be huge for the Shaggy lineup if they could add 20 home runs to this lineup, Alex. I think that'd be awesome. It absolutely would be because, I mean, I, as long as you don't have Aaron Hicks just dragging along with five, six homers a year, I think we're in good shape. And, you know, with that being said, 
you know, I, I want to touch on the left field position for a second because I do want to ask your take on one thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about this, you know, a little bit later in the episode with Ryan, um, you know, I had kind of set up for us because I want to talk about Esteban Florial for a second with you because I do want to get your take on this. It's, it's kind of an interesting situation because, you know, Aaron Hicks starting left field angers me, to say the least, you know? I, do I trust him? Absolutely not. I don't think he is the future at that position. He's a stopgap at this point in time. We know the Yankees have been trying to offload him, despite general manager Brian Cashman consistently promoting him and advocating for his play, right? <clears throat> However, I'd go as far to say that Oswaldo Cabrera has the leverage in this scenario, given that he's young, given we don't know exactly what he can provide, and that there's a lot more to kind of un- untap with his development and growth. I think that he has the advantage right now for the starting job. But how about Esteban Florial? And I, I want to ask you about him because this is a player who the Yankees have failed to give consistent opportunities to. Um, and they really, and it, and it makes sense why they didn't, because, you know, he really was coming in to fill in for Stanton when he was out or coming in to fill in. He's most, the most MLB games he's ever played in a season was 17, right? He's only played 17 games. That's the, the most he's ever played in a major league season. And it's not like there were 17 games straight. There were like five games here, four games there, two games here, like one game there. And it's like, how on earth, I mean, I'm just talking because I feel like baseball is a game of consistency. Like, and, uh, and a, a prime example of that is like Stanton killing it the first half of the year, comes back from injury and is completely terrible because he needs that consistency to see the ball. You get better with more reps, get better with more experience and more time um, just in the batter's box and seeing things and seeing the pitches. So, you know, how are we supposed to make a justifiable claim on Esteban Florial's future if we've never given him enough of a sample size to really show what he can do. His AAA numbers are actually, like, very good. You know, the 31% strikeout rate is his biggest con, and it translates to the MLB level because the chase and whiff rates skyrocket because of just elevated levels of talent. But he had 15 homers last year, stole a ton of bases, had a good number of RBIs, got on base at, like, a 36% clip, had a good batting average. Like, defensively, we know he's solid, has a good arm, he's really athletic, like, he's smart in the outfield, doesn't make many mistakes. Like, we know he's a good player there. Like, he would be... If he was to win this job, it would be awesome. Now, someone also mentioned to me this morning that he hit .044 um, in the Winter League, but it was a 23-at-bat sample size. You're looking at a tiny little piece of sample size to actually work off of. I'm not going to use that as a legitimate, like, argument against him. I want to see what he could do during spring training. But, like, given we don't like Hicks in this role, given that Cabrera is still very much an unknown as an offensive weapon, like, what's to say that Florial doesn't, like, shoot up onto the scene. He doesn't have any minor league options left. So if the Yankees call him up, they can't send it back down. They got to let him go. They got to DFA him um, if, if you know, they don't want him on the roster anymore. So maybe they try to trade him. But again, like, this is a really interesting scenario. Now, what are you thinking of Florial? In my opinion, it's just as much his job to win as it is anybody else's. Because, again, like I said, I'd rather have Cabrera in that super utility role anyway than as a starting left fielder, and I don't trust Hicks for shit. So what are you thinking about Florial? Damn, are the off-season workout picks get to you? Because I know I saw that. Like, there's that like super muscular <laughs> no, picture even. of Florian that's floating. No, yet. I was floating yesterday. I didn't even yeah. see that picture. I didn't see the picture, but but what I did see is the fact that our left field position is we're hoping that two players. You know, Cabrera wasn't great offensively last year. You know, a lot of people think that you know he's going to be great, whatever, and I think he's going to be awesome defensively. Mm. But in the in the batter's box, he was not that good. You know what I mean? He had a couple big moments, but he was awful in the playoffs, too. Hicks, I mean, do I have to really go into this and again for the hundredth time to tell you how bad he was last season and yeah. why I don't think he's going to bounce back out of this, like, ridiculous year? Like, Florial, yes, he's struggled when he gets an opportunity, but they've 
they're, they don't ever give him actual consistency. I'd love to see them, you know, even platoon left field with those three guys to start the year, just let the best man win. You know what I mean? Just like give them each like five games, five games, and then just play the hot hand. If someone starts coming on, if someone starts hitting, let them keep their job. Just have it be an open competition. And at the end of the day, it's really going to be between Hicks and Florial anyway because Oswaldo is your super utility guy. Like, he's not – I wouldn't prefer him in left field. So, like, it's really between Hicks and Florial unless they add another guy, maybe like a Rafael Ortega. But, again, like, you know, another depth piece. So, you're like – it's like the lesser of three evils at this point in time. Like, why not go out and just give these guys chances to compete, especially Florial because he's never gotten that consistency. Yeah, it helps because, you know, uh, Moron Gonzalez is off the roster, so that's like a, a spot that they always felt that they had to fill. Um, and now that Oswaldo Carrera has kind of stepped into that super utility role, that's like your guy there, that, you you know, you're Marwin Gonzalez per se, and even though Marwin Gonzalez was absolutely feeble for this team, you know, that he fills that role. But, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Floreal has never been given ample opportunity. I've never been the biggest fan of Floreal, but his AAA numbers last year were, were like sick. Um, and it kind of, it was weird, man, because when he came up last year in the fall, when he came up, it was Peraza, Cabrera, and Florial. They all came up at the same time. Peraza and Cabrera obviously stayed on the roster for the rest of the for the rest of the regular season, and then stayed in for the playoffs because Cabrera had to fill in, and then uh, Peraza had some minutes at shortstop. But then Florial was the one that I think he played like eleven games, and then went straight back down. So he kind of like was just pushed away, and nobody really cared at that point about him because it was like, oh, we're focused on these guys now. But you know, it sucks because right now you're staring at a situation where you're going to leave thirty million plus on the bench between you know you benching Donaldson and you benching Hicks, and that just sucks for me to see. And it you know internally it makes me think I think one of those guys is going to start because I don't think Cashman Swallows is pride enough to you know give the kids a shot. I think he's going to want to play his money, but I think that it would make the most sense to give Florial who. Genuinely has not had ample opportunity at the big league level. Um, you know, at least a shot at the left field role. At, at least 20 games. I think if you give the guy at least 20 games at the beginning of the season, and even, you know, we'll see what happens in spring training. Because for all we know, we have no idea what's going on in the back room right now. They could be talking about that guy as a starting left fielder. We're, you know, the all four of us are kind of speculating about Cabrera and Hicks and all these other options and Rafael Ortega and stuff like that. But that could be a guy that's like severely on their radar for being the starting left fielder next year. So, you know, I think that they should give him ample opportunity because he really hasn't gotten it and he's out of options. So essentially you're going to have to trade him. And if they trade him, he's going to turn into like G-Man Choi or something and just torture us for a couple of years. So, and that's not going to be any fun. Um, so yeah, I just think, I think they should give him ample opportunity because what's, what's the hurt? You know, because I think playing him would be better than playing a guy like Kicks, even though I'd probably prefer Cabrera in left field. Um, I just, yeah, I think you, you got to give him an opportunity at some point. Yep, I 100% agree. So I'll tell you what, Harrison Bader, Estevan Florial, well, you know, I just, I want to I see what happens in left field, man. This is going to be a really fun spring training, full of news, full of big kind of decisions that manager Aaron Boone has to make. And we're going to be here with you guys every step of the way to break it down, tell you how everybody performed. If you missed the games, we got you guys covered here on Fireside Yankees. We're going to do breakdowns um, after every game, who performed well, who's coming on, how we feel these position battles are unfolding. So you're going to want to stick around for all that great content. As always, my friends, make sure to like and subscribe. Have a fantastic rest of your day. And we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.